episode 31 and the last episode of 2020. Thank goodness, Joe. We have made it to the end of this awful (laughs) year. And uh, got a lot of good things to talk about. We got the great Joe Beninati joining us before his schedule gets super, super busy with Caps hockey starting. We'll obviously talk week 17 of the NFL season, college football playoff, best bets, trivia, all that good stuff. Before we start with that, though, Joseph, we have to talk about the ending of the Raiders Dolphins game. We do. Because I'm watching the game with my dad. And obviously we're rooting like crazy for the Raiders because had the Raiders beaten the Dolphins, the Ravens beat the Giants, the Ravens would have been in the playoffs. So we're feeling good. And there's a minute 50 left on the clock. The Dolphins have one timeout. The Raiders first and goal at like the four-yard line. And everybody who's watching knows what happens. For those of you who didn't, the Raiders took three knees. They Well, they ran two running plays, but Josh Jacobs fell down. He didn't go into the end zone to conserve time. And then on the third play, Instead of scoring a touchdown, which the Dolphins would have let them do, probably, the Raiders just decided to take a knee. Now, my dad and I are looking at each other, and we're like, that's great. That's exactly what would have done. You take the knee, you bring it all the way down to 19 seconds, you kick the field goal, you play defense. I have people texting me going, why wouldn't they score the touchdown? What are they doing? The game ends. The Dolphins win, obviously. We'll get into what happened in between. And I go on Twitter and you and a lot of other people are like how our pixar ravens expert worm also agreeing worm they're like how could you not score that touchdown on third down so my thinking of it boils boils down here let's just lay it out like this it boils down to two possibilities think of you got to conceptualize it like this two options there's going to be a touchback on the kickoff we know that so 25 yard line 20 seconds down by two, needing with that kicker roughly 35 yards to get into range. Scenario one. Scenario two, you need a touchdown. You're down by five, 25-yard line, 60 seconds. Got to go 75 yards. Both scenarios, no timeouts. It's just a matter of which scenario you think is more difficult. It's splitting hairs. I would have scored the touchdown. But go ahead with, your, with, with, with the rest of what you're going with. The, the main reason I kicked the field goal is because if you just play, you don't have to do anything special on defense. You just have to guard the sidelines and you can't let anything deep like they did. If you just play normal defense and give a 20 to 25 yard pass up the middle of the field, 14 to 15 seconds go up the clock because the pass itself would take eight seconds and then running up to the line would take another seven. So right there, the Dolphins would be down to four seconds. They wouldn't be anywhere near field goal range and you'd have one chance at a Hail Mary. So that, that, to me, is why it's the best call. To your point, you were saying, well, with how they call pass interference and all these things and how there was a major penalty like there was on that Fitz play, the danger is obviously when you're only up two, a field goal can beat you. But I look at it the opposite in your scenario, where in mine, where a team should only get two plays, In yours, a team could get five to six, which allows more plays and more chances for there to be a penalty. My my thing is this. You see it. There's a a reason why certain teams are able to make a living defensively off of a bend but don't break defense. It gets so much harder to score once you're getting close. So now you start to getting – if you even make it that far down the field, you will maybe have 10 seconds and you'll maybe be at like the 30. Um See, with 20 seconds, 
if you play that umbrella defense where you're guarding the sideline, you leave yourself susceptible to a 25-yard pass down the middle to Gasicki where they do it real quick and they get up to the line. You say 14 or so seconds. In a situation like that, if they're playing an umbrella defense, I've seen a play like that take 10 seconds because the offense knows the defense that they're playing where they're just – they got a few guys 30 yards down the field. They've got guys on the sidelines. As soon as Fitzpatrick takes a snap, it's a quick throw to Gasicki. Gasicki gets about 20. He gets down. They get the spike because the offense is running with him because they know it's coming. You could get that play done and still have about eight seconds left. Now, I think it could be done with eight seconds left around the 50. So now you got eight seconds left. You're at the 50. Now you got to be perfect in guarding the sidelines because you're going to have one play before the Hail Mary where you try to pick up 10 yards to the sideline, which is possible. So I just think you put them in a situation where they have to score a touchdown, knowing how hard that is, especially with no timeouts. Cause by the time that they would even get to the 20, the 30, there might be 10 seconds left if even. So now you're talking about they, you just got to put 10 guys in the end zone. So I, I think seeing the different ways people thought about it on Twitter, like, Again, this is just absolutely arguing about something more than we have to because right. either either way, it's going to take a prayer for the team that's trailing to win the game. Which it, did. I, just, I mean... which it did. I just think you, you're in a much better situation because, look, hypothetically, they score the touchdown, right? Even if they would have had a, a long pass and a rough in the passer, you know, you still got to get in the end zone with about 30 seconds left from the 35-40. So I, I just think it's a lot tougher to get in the end zone, and I would have forced them to score a touchdown. But again, it's it's a situation where either way, the team's chances of winning are very, very slim, and it takes a colossal breakdown to lose the game. It does. I think a lot of it, too, and listening to Gruden in the post-game press conference, it just depends on your defense. I think he knew. He saw what Fitzpatrick did on the previous drive. And even with a minute left and no timeouts, he's like, that's still too much time. Like, he's going to score. So I think he just thought that I'm going to take as much time off the clock as I can. I'm going to hope that my defense cannot give up a 40-yard pass like they did, and we can win the game. If it's the Rams, if it's the Saints, if it's the Steelers, if it's somebody with a good defense, maybe they score the touchdown. I see both sides, but especially with the Raiders and their defense – I just I, I think Gruden made the right call and I'm glad the Steelers came back to win and your Jets <laughs> pulled off the upset, Joe, because after a game like that, you really start just start to wonder and you're like, is is it just meant to be? I yeah. mean, when the Dolphins win the game like that, you're like, the Raiders, I mean, they they had it. Like, how do you lose that game? Um, but yeah, thank you. Hey, we'll get to it later, but I wouldn't feel so confident just quite yet because Oh, look, Cincinnati the Bengals is have been The Bengals have been going down with two middle fingers in the air, beating the Steelers, beating the Texans. So you never know, but the Ravens no, they're should playing. Be. They're playing well right now. Absolutely. Um, all right, Joe, college football. We got our guest Joe B coming up. We talk a little bit college football with him and a lot of hockey. But usually this is the best week of the year in college football. We usually have our New Year six bowls, and which we still do, but it just doesn't feel the same, obviously, with fans. We have the Rose Bowl being played in Dallas. I mean, it's just <laughs> that's going to be the weirdest one out of all of them to grasp, honestly. I mean, I, I'm not going to know what I'm looking at, honestly. The fact that on New Year's Day we don't get the Rose Bowl in Pasadena and the Winter Classic is just 
that's that's kind of a, a knife to the chest right there, uh, yeah. leaving its lasting mark on 2020, even though it'll be 2021. Exactly. But, you're right. But we've uh, we've talked a lot about Bama and uh, and Notre Dame and Clemson and Ohio State. But some of the other games, I mean, you know, Georgia's a touchdown favorite over Cincinnati. Texas A&M's a touchdown favorite over North Carolina. Is is there a team that you like, uh, an underdog, maybe on the money line that you could see pulling off an upset? So the, the underdogs that I've liked on the money line have already happened, and I got them right. So I loved Hawaii. Always like Hawaii in a, in a Christmas Eve bowl game. That one I already hit. Um, why am I blanking on what the other one was the other day? There was another one the other day where I, I, it was a money line dog, and I was looking at it, and I was like, this is certainly a good pick to have. Uh, it'll come to me in a second. But looking down the rest of them, um, I know we talked about a couple of them last week. Uh and, and we've seen spreads change. So these guys really aren't dogs anymore. Uh, Oklahoma was a two-point dog when we had our episode last week. That was they're my favorite seven. <laughs> they're now a seven-point favorite. Right. Uh, so there really aren't too many dogs left on the board that kind of scream to me. I like it. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, Georgia always lays an egg in ball games, And since he would like to kind of make a point about group of five teams, uh, they're plus 220 on the money line. So that would, if I had to pick one, that would be one. And I'm looking at the schedule right now. Why can I not figure out what this game was the other day? Um, oh, Liberty. That was, the one, that was the other one that we talked about last episode where I had said that they've, they've probably come in feeling a lot, a lot of big-time disrespect because that game was canceled. And then on short notice, Coastal played BYU. So Liberty yeah. had to sit back all week and be like listening to all this talk about, oh, thank you, Liberty. You gave us a better game instead because you got COVID. So they came out in a crazy game and won 37-34 in overtime. I believe they were plus 250 on the money line. So I hit my two so far uh, that I like this money line outright dogs, and I got Cincy coming up as well. And I'll have more on that in best bets too, actually. Yeah, Oklahoma was my favorite bet of bowl season, and I got them at three and a half. And now they're seven and a half point favorites. So if you would have taken it, if you would if you would have taken it right after our last episode, you would have had them getting two points. You could just sense that, like, what did Florida have to play for? I mean, they were – Like I said, like I said last week, it was just a matter of if, like, some of the NFL guys who are playing in the game wanted to leave one last impression. But, I mean, they got – Right, Pitts has opted out. Tony opted out yesterday. This line at seven and a half honestly might be telling me that Vegas is hearing some things that Kyle Trask might not even play. Who knows? But at seven and a half, I mean – and Again, that's a 10-point Last night, what happened to De'Ara King, even though De'Ara King announced that he's coming back for one more season, seeing what happened to him last night, Good point. got a lot of guys thinking. If you notice, if you were watching that game, Tylen Wallace on Oklahoma State yep. didn't play the second half. Played the first half, didn't play the second half. And no, he, he said leading up to the game that he, was, he would not sit out, he would play. Then he sees De'Ara King go down, doesn't play the second half. It's got an effect on people, so – uh, could be, could be. That's a good point you bring up that maybe there's something that we don't know about Kyle Trask not playing. Yeah, uh, but again, look, I, I love watching the bowl games. I am still in my pool that I am every year where I bet on all the bowl games and I rank them in confidence of who I like the best, but it's just, it's it's obviously not the same, but it'll be fun to see the uh, the two semifinals games. And, and everybody we've talked thinks- about the semis. We've talked about the semis at length. You know our picks, um, Bama, Clemson, and then I have I, I really have no idea. I don't want to make a pick for the final itself till next episode until I see how Clemson looks against Ohio State, like I said last time. But, I mean, there's no – I don't see any way 
that we don't have another Bama Clemson game. I, yeah, that's going to be some national championship. I'm looking forward to previewing that if we do indeed get it. We'll talk uh, a lot of college football next week, uh, but we get into it a little bit with our guest, Joe Beninati, Capitals play-by-play announcer, coming up next. Pleased to be joined this week by Washington Capitals play-by-play broadcaster, Joe Beninati, for the second time. Joe B., great to have you back on the podcast. Hope you're doing well. How was your holiday? Holidays were low and slow. Nothing major going on, Joe and PJ, but um, fast approaching a new season. I'm, I'm as optimistic as I can be. I'm positive. I'm preaching the, the positive now. I, I'm, I'm away with, I'm done with the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we don't have to go back into a bubble. Who knows yeah. what's, what's ahead for all of us. But I am, uh, as we get closer and closer to January 13, 14, I'm getting more and more excited. So I, I take that as a good sign. Great to hear. Now, obviously, we're going to talk to you about plenty of hockey. But before we do that, biggest week of the college football season. We got tons of bowl games coming up. Um, You've called a couple games this season on the Big Ten Network. Just wanted your thoughts on the college football playoff. Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, your thoughts on those games. And then who's your pick to win it all? Well, I I didn't have the chance to see Ohio State in person. Uh, I speak to a lot of head coaches and coordinators throughout the big 10, but I haven't had a chance to really link into um, anything that's from Buckeye nation. I I can sense when I, when I watch them play on TV, when I'm, if I'm watching game film of teams that I'm working where they're playing against Ohio state, you you just get the sense that they are a cut above the rest in that conference. No disrespect to anybody Northwestern or Wisconsin or whomever. Uh, I just get the sense that they are a cut above. So I'm fully expecting that they'll bring their best and bring a lot of Big Ten pride to the college football playoff. I don't know that they can overcome a Clemson team. And I like Notre Dame. I always think that they're a a good rooting interest, but I don't think they're going to overcome an Alabama. So you're more than likely going to see another reprise of Alabama and and Clemson and and just two teams with a wealth of recruiting talent, uh, stockpiles of talent. I, I remember way back when I first started calling major college football, I, I did a game at, um, it was at Georgia tech and Ralph Friedgen, the former oh. Maryland head coach was then the, the um, offensive coordinator at Georgia tech. And I went to, and, and you'd have a Saturday game. You'd get into the Atlanta area around uh, Thursday and we would have meetings on campus Friday. So I'd go to Georgia tech in that instance. And you'd go into their weight room and you guys, you would see, I don't know, six, seven, eight different guys, cookie cutters like rep like duplicates of each other all monsters around let's say a bench press station and you'd go up and you'd introduce yourself and hey are you guys playing tomorrow and they'd be like no no we don't play and i'm like you guys look like world beaters i mean we're talking about mr america competition bodybuilding types oh no we don't play what what do you mean oh we're all red shirt fullbacks waiting for next year (laughs) It's just insane. And then I'm sure that's the way it is on campus at Alabama and at Clemson. It's just, they stockpile every year, one after another, and and you can see the difference. And and more than anything, from what I've been told by um, analysts who I've worked with on the big 10 network more than anything. And I guess this is true in pro football as well. It's offensive and defensive line. I know the quarterbacks get all the credit. I know the wideouts and all the skill guys get a lot of the credit, but the game, especially at the major college football level, is really won in the trenches. 
the offensive and defensive linemen for those two schools, specifically Alabama and Clemson, you just know they have Sunday potential. And that that's why they're, they're there each and every year. All right. We're both in, all three of us are in agreement. We're, we're expecting Alabama Clemson part 17 or whatever we're up to now. Uh, <laughs> Hard to so, argue. Much, so, yeah. so much to unpack regarding the NHL. Um, but let's start with where last season ended. We last spoke to you in May. Uh, Tampa Bay lifted the cup. You told us back then that you could tell when they get off the bus. They're just the most talented team around. Uh, what can you say about how that team played uh, on the path to the championship? First of all, I've always had a, a really strong appreciation for John Cooper and his coaching abilities, and that hasn't changed. And now it's been you know, vindicated, I guess you could say, with a Stanley Cup championship. But anybody who knows John respects his coaching abilities and his abilities to connect with his, with his team and his charges and get the most out of them. So uh, I, I was thrilled for that organization. There's a lot of really good people connected to it down there and they have the talent. And I, I was sad to see that Kucherov's not going to be available for quite a while, if at all, during the season, now, that's obviously a major blow to them, but that team still without Nikita uh, is the leading candidate in the, in the newly realigned divisions uh, I think to win that one handily and they'll be, they'll be around to defend their, their title. I mean, I'm sure they'll put in a good Stanley cup playoff push, but who knows We're we're so far away from that. But with regard to, to Tampa, exceptional talent at all the main positions, right? You have a Kucherov there when you did, when he was healthy, you have a, a headman who very well may be the best defenseman in the world. You have a Vasilevsky in goal. So what's that expression down the middle and, yeah. and with the, in the key skill positions, You've got it made if you're Tampa and they are again, deep. So deep and well-coached usually turns out to do just fine on an ice rink. I'm expecting they will be a contender again. Was there ever a moment during the bubble where uh, you doubted for a second that they would win it all? Was there, I, they didn't really face a ton of adversity. Uh, I know there was that five overtime game against Columbus, but did you ever at any moment in, in that run doubt that they would come out of it and, and win it all? Maybe because what wasn't Dallas, like all of a sudden a team of destiny. Yeah. Every once in a while you see destiny's child get into that playoff berth and get <laughs> going. And all of a sudden now they're the finalist. Are they really going to do this? I like Dallas. I mean, they've come a long way. I'm again, I go way, way back. I go almost 30 plus years back with Rick bonus. Couldn't have been happier to see him uh, lead the stars all the way to a, to a cup final. And then they were, you know, what happened to Anton Hudobin? All of a sudden, Anton Hudobin becomes a second coming of, uh, of Jacques Plante, and they're right there. And that's, you know, that's what matters come playoff time. But yeah, there was a, an inkling where, you know, if Dallas keeps going like this, they could take care of anybody. But Tampa's talent, so deep. Uh, their, work in, their work ethic was so good. Motivation was there from flaming out the way they did the year prior. So soon to, uh, I guess that was Columbus that beat him right off the jump. Uh, there were a lot of things working in Tampa's favor. I, I had the strong suspicion they were going to get it done. There was only that first game when it was five overtimes against a team that they couldn't beat last year. I was like, oh, yeah. is this going to happen again? But they yeah. came out of it. And look, it's so much harder in the NHL than any other league to repeat as champs. You mentioned Kucherov's out for the year. Um, they're currently the Lightning, the third best odds in the league to win it all and the best odds in the Eastern Conference in the sports books. Um, you mentioned they'll be in contention. Do you think they actually can go ahead and repeat. I know the Penguins did it a few years ago. Before the Penguins, you had to go all the way back to the turn of the millennium uh, with the Red Wings. So it, it's not something that happens often, but uh, they do still have the talent. Would you would you say that they can do it? Especially in a salary cap world, you know, where free agency plays such an important impact on teams' makeups from year to year. It's highly unlikely that a team 
goes back to back. They're still talented enough to do it. And I don't know what specifically the, the medical um, situation is with Kucherov. Is he going to be available at all? I mean, we're talking, we're talking about a Stanley Cup playoffs that won't begin until May. Has he been wiped off the, off the books all the way through? What happens if he's a fast healer? And then all of a sudden you get that player back come playoff time. That could make a huge difference in the lineup. But I've been in the last week or so, at least probably 10 days, I'm just focused on the East and those eight teams in particular that we're going to have to be calling because we're not going to see anybody else. It's going to be a, a very, very strange, peculiar year to not play outside of your own uh, eight-team division. I, I fully suspect Tampa Bay still to win its bracket. But to me, just looking from the treetops, Colorado. Um, if the goaltending holds up in Colorado, that team is loaded, loaded, loaded for bear. And you've got a motivated McKinnon who may be the best player on the planet. No excuse, no, no slight to Connor McDavid or anybody else, but, uh, Nathan McKinnon is just an amazing talent and they're super deep. If they stay healthy, I like Colorado this year. If, if their goaltending holds up. Joe B, you just mentioned it. What are your thoughts about the new schedule? The NHL has obviously shown that they're willing to think outside the box. They had the creative 24 teams in the playing games last year. And then this year, as you mentioned, nobody plays outside of their restructured divisions. We get the 56-game season. What are your thoughts on how the season will play out? I think we all realized that from an economic standpoint, it made sense to expand the playoffs last year going into the bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton. I don't just my own opinion. I don't want to see that continued. Even when we do have a 30, what is it? 32nd team in Seattle. I think 16 out of 32 will be just fine. I don't need to expand the playoffs, but I'm not the guy holding the purse strings. So I realize money talks. And in that instance, if you need to expand it, I'm sure you'll, you'll get sentiment for it. But from a competitive standpoint, I'd rather just see, uh, 16 teams. I think the playoff format this year could be amazing with the divisional realignments. You could get some very interesting Stanley cup final combinations that you wouldn't dream of that you wouldn't have if you had a true conference matchup. So there's no conferences here. They're going to be reseeded those four teams. Once they get to the, to the uh, Stanley cup semifinals, if you're going to call it that, I'm not sure what they're going to call it. Probably round three. When you get down to those four teams, you, you could see some really interesting uh, crossover matchups, rivalries, uh, and, and with a Stanley Cup on the line, potentially once you get to round four. In, inside um, the actual schedule, uh, it, it looks like a college schedule to me. <laughs> I've been lucky enough to do some college hockey in the past, and this looks like uh, you know Michigan's going into Michigan State for a doubleheader or uh, Ohio State's going to uh, Minnesota for a three-game stretch. It, it's just really super unusual. And I think, well, you're going to need deepened rosters, which the NHL has thought of. They've thought of the taxi squad. I think that's, that has to be something that all coaches are going to be uh, interested in dipping into from time to time, whether it be for injury concerns, health related concerns, all that good stuff. I just think it's going to be a season filled with a lot of animosity. Uh, you know, PJ and Joe are going to be battling uh, three, four times. I had to break a week. out the Ranger sweatshirt for today. Three and least. four times a week, you guys uh, are going to be battling. Yeah. So there's the one well. stretch. There's the one stretch in April. It's I think it's the 13th, 15th, 17th, and 18th. The Rangers play the Devils all four nights. It's yeah. insane. It's, yeah. it's it, there's going to be a line brawl by the third night. You got. I know I haven't gone into deep enough of a depth in the capital schedule to look at it that closely, but I do realize 
the Cavs don't play the Devils for like the first 22 games. So in the last 32, eight of them are against New Jersey. So again, you just, you're leading up to a lot of, um, let's just say animosity. And that could be a good thing. (laughs) I checked the cap schedule. They don't play a team more than two times in a row. But as you mentioned with the Devils, there is a, a, a stretch where they play them a lot, but the, I could not believe that when I saw it, that the NHL put the Rangers and the devils against each other yeah. out of five days. That was- it's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> wild to watch. And I, I just think it's going to create a lot of hotly contested games. Of course it is uh, from a capitals perspective. I don't, I don't see, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to hold a pity party for losing the likes of Carolina and Columbus to that other division. Uh, those two teams tend to give Washington a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of trouble. And that's not to say that Boston and Buffalo won't. I think Buffalo is much improved. When I look at their lineup, I think they, they, they're normally a team that gets off to a great start. And who do the Caps play? I think right out of the jump four times, it's Buffalo. <laughs> but Boston, without Marshan, without Pasternak for a little while, maybe they're down. But I just – the first thing I saw was, ooh, no Carolina, no Columbus. Those two teams are usually biting at Washington's neck. So it'll be, it'll be good to not have to see them until hopefully uh, round three in the playoffs. Of course. Now let's get more into the nitty-gritty of the Caps, whether it was a few months ago when the bubble ended or now as the season's set to begin. Have you had the chance to converse with any players or coaches? And if so, what were their uh, general feelings about how the bubble environment worked and, and the season ending the way it did at the hands of the Islanders? Guys, we really haven't had much in the way. Not that we haven't had a lot of access, but there's been – It's been the most unusual off season. I don't even know what calendar month we're in. I mean, if if it wasn't Christmas and the holidays, I couldn't tell you that it was December. It's just, it's bizarre. Now we're starting a season in the middle of January. We're going to play through May. So, so my timing is way off. I I'm telling you right now, I'm super, super confused by what's going on. Thank goodness. I had three college football games to do uh, because they're the only things I've done since August. So I'll have at least have some of my broadcasting chops, but as far as my mind is concerned, it's like mush. I, I'm sitting there going, okay, what, where are we? Oh, happy new year. Oh, now we're going to start a season. And we haven't had the normal lead into a training camp. And I think Peter Laviolette, who I, I spent some time with on a, a zoom call yesterday, uh, Peter Laviolette has not met his team for the most part in person at all. The first time he's going to meet them, see them in person will be the first day they're on the ice. I think day wow. one of training camp is is slated for physicals. And then they go on the ice. Uh, I want to say it's first time on the ice is Monday, I think. But he has not had a chance to converse face-to-face with his team. And I know that I have not had the opportunity like I might normally in an offseason or in a lead-up to a training camp where I would have been at MedStar Caps Iceplex and you know, bumped into a goalie, bumped into a defenseman, bumped into an assistant coach. We haven't had that. This is all peculiar. And we'll get up to speed really quickly on all on the Zoom nature of it. But it's going to be a lot of this. It's going to be a lot of picking up yes. the phone and going, hey, Peter Laviolette, can I beg you for five minutes to talk? It's different. Whereas in years past, I could walk up to Todd Reardon or Barry Trotz or, or uh, Lane Lambert or Scott Arneal and pick their brains without a bunch of media around this is totally off limits this is weird in that we don't get a chance to while the media mostly is talking to Ovechkin I can sneak over and spend two minutes with uh, Ilya Samsonov and and ask him about what makes Tampa's power play so good and you're not going to get that and I, I hope the fans realize it's not through a lack of effort 
but we're not going to get that individual one-on-one Hey buddy on the planes, guys, when we're on the planes or we're on the buses, I can turn around to Tom Wilson and go, what was it like to, to deal with that flipping Marshan all night, the other night. And he would give me that information. I obviously would, you know, melt it down into something PG that I could use on the air, (laughs) but you're not going to have that this year. And I'm used to 30 years of that. So this is going to be a little bit peculiar. So the, it's a long winded way of saying, I have not had the chance. I have not shaken Peter Laviolette's hand since he's got the job. Haven't seen him in person. Haven't shaken his hand or bumped elbows or fists or whatever we're supposed to do. I, I, I go back again. I go back to the American hockey league with Peter when he was a player and just starting his coaching career in 92, I go all the way back to 92 with Peter Laviolette have not formally had the chance to literally say congratulations wow. and we're, we're two weeks away from the season starting yeah. you're yeah, not the crazy. only one the story the story came out the other day that Ovechkin invited him at, invited him out to dinner yeah. and Laviolette had to turn down the invitation because he's in his uh, quarantine protocol or whatever is going on so well, all of those things have to be taken obviously seriously and, and you got to do your best we have to as a league and, and every entity that's connected to it to make sure that these guys uh, are in good shape and that they're as safe as possible not just the people on the ice, but all around the rink, on the bench, uh, in the broadcast booths, all the media that are that are going to be trying to to keep the public informed as well as we have in the past. I think people realize that there are some restrictions, there are some protocols that are going to prevent us from necessarily being as thorough as we have been, but we're going to try. Of course, and that's all we can do at this point. And look, the cap started hot last year. It went into a funk around, if I'm remembering correctly, New Year's and they never this really time came last out of it. year. It was, it was around now. It was around now. They never came out of it. So nope. I reared and sent packing. Laviolette comes in. Uh, what do you expect? Like you mentioned, you go back to 92 with him. What do you expect? What are the the, the hallmarks of a Laviolette coach team that we can expect to see? Well, from the Joe and, and PJ, any if you look through any of the history books, record books, media guides for, for teams that are coached by Peter, there's usually a very quick uptick in the first year or so he has a way of coming into a room and building a team that fights for each other. And that's always been one of his mantras going all the way back to, uh, to American hockey league Providence. When I really first met him first encountered him, he's incredibly honest. He's direct. He's firm. He is, I think more than from the outside perspective, looked at as more of a bad cop than a good cop. You know, there's, there's, he's intense. He's fiery. I'm sure behind closed doors in those dressing rooms, in that locker room, in the film room, wherever it is, he's getting his point across in a very stern manner. And the players will respond, I think, well to that, because I think in particular, this Washington team needs a little bit of that, a little bit more closer to a Barry Trotz type of regimen than it was with a Todd Reardon type of regimen. And I'm not taking shots at Todd. I, I, I think he's a very good coach and I'm hoping that he'll get another kick at it from a head coaching perspective somewhere down the road. Peter comes in and he will light a fire. Peter knows how to go up to Joe and PJ and push the right buttons and maximize what he can get. You know, that he, he's going to try and put you in the best position on the ice in the best role to maximize what it is that he thinks you deliver. And Kevin McCarthy coming in, I think, will be extremely good for Washington from a defensive standpoint. Uh, I, I think the coaching staff is tip-top, starting with Laviolette, McCarthy, Arneal, uh, Foz, Blaine Forsythe, I think is going to 
going to do a uh, continue to do a great job with what he does. And Peter told us uh, recently, McCarthy will look after uh, the defense. He'll be in charge of defensive rotations and pairings. Arneal will continue to look after the PK, which I think Washington was really much improved penalty killing last year, especially at home. I think they had the best penalty killing at home in the regular season. And, and Blaine Forsythe is going to continue to, to uh, mastermind the power play. And Blaine went right up to Peter in their first early meetings and has a program in place to, to change some things, to make some new wrinkles with that power play, which may have been stale. You know, Peter recognized that they had fallen. I think they were middle of the pack last year in terms of power play in some instances. That's not what this team can deliver with the talent they have. And I think Forsyth will iron out some wrinkles that'll uh, really impress. So from where Peter's standing from, include Scott Murray in the goaltending discipline, obviously well-trained from, from Mitch Korn. Uh, Peter thinks he's got an excellent staff. And I know the top guy is, is really, really good. He's always made that impression on me. He attacks a new assignment so well. This one is different. It's, it's odd in the way that he's jumping right in here and it's January. Uh, and he really hasn't had a lot of time to do anything from a, from an installation standpoint, but a lot of that's going to be covered uh, between January four and January 13, when they get on the ice and I'm sure they'll hit the ice running. And Joe B, we already talked about how good this division is going to be this new realigned division that the caps are in. Where do you see them fitting in, in the pecking order kind of in, in this division? Are they one of the top three teams in, in the division? Would you say? PJ, can we uh, can we take Malfa's uh, Rangers sweatshirt and burn that for a second? We're putting them at the very bottom, Joe. Okay. <laughs> well, again, I mean that team's on the rise. No, they are. That team's definitely on the rise. Buffalo's definitely on the rise. New Jersey's definitely on the rise. But I don't know that I can put those three teams yet. Sorry, Joe. No, no, I agree. Not at all. Not. Yet. I don't know if I can Not put yet. those three teams yet in the top five in the division. Now things can change. We could all of a sudden, if we see a recreation of bubble hockey, PJ, I'm speaking to you as from a caps perspective, if we see the recreation of the bubble caps, then the caps could very quickly fall out of that top five. Yes. Five for me is Pittsburgh Four, five could be Washington, Pittsburgh. You could see some combination of Islanders, Flyers, Bruins, top three in that East division, any combination. You could see Washington at the very top. If LaViolette has the, the effect that I think he will, you could easily see Washington win that bracket. Boston, again, we, we, we addressed, I, I, again, Washington seems to do and has done very, very well against Boston in the regular season in recent memory, but that doesn't hold. I think you throw all that out, and does Boston even have all of its horses? What are they doing with Chara? I realize he's 43 and he's not as impactful as he used to be, but what's going on there? What's going on with Marshan and Pasternak? How soon will they be back? Boston, like Washington, is aging. If I look at the Caps, I want to say they have nine guys who are 30 years or older mm-hmm. in that lineup. So when, when it comes down to average age, you know the Caps are going to be way up there. This is going to be 56 games slammed into basically every other night. Is age going to be a factor? I, I don't know. We're going to learn all of this. I like where Barry Trotz's team was headed. I still think they're really good. I, I would assume that uh, that Barzell is going to sign on the dotted line one of these days. I really loved the way Philadelphia was going, although I didn't necessarily care for them in the bubble, but that team is going in, in a good spot. They, I think from defense, from goal line out, I really like where they're going. With Philly's, what Philly's doing is impressing me because 
I know their defense is still young, but it's really solid. I know the goalie's young, but he's really solid. And I, I think they're well coached with El Ambino. Um, we talked about the Isles. We talked about the Flyers. Joe's Rangers are, are a pain in the neck. Yes. I just look at, I mean, I, I have their, I have their board right here. I, when they stay healthy, what, what's wrong with that team? It's just the, and, it's just the, 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 the back line, the blue line scares me, but. Truba, D'Angelo, Lindgren, Fox, Johnson, Smith. Truba, D'Angelo, Lindgren, Fox, Johnson, Smith. Do I have everybody? Potato. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Was there anybody signed that I missed recently? No, no. It's it's the bottom. So I, I understand what you're saying. Thing. That's not a. That's not what you would look at and go, "Whoa, big time back yeah. end." But they move think, the puck. I think they'll have a lot of like six five losses this year. Is they the way move I see it. even with those even with those two goalies. I, I like Shesterkin and I, I like Georgiev. I do. I think there's going to be there's not going to be much of an in between the way I'm looking at my Rangers. There's going to be nights where Shesterkin stands on his head and they win or lose two to one. There's going to be nights where they're playing just fun, open hockey. And they, it's like six to five. I have no idea what to expect out of this team. I'm sure I've shared the story with you that my dad, uh, my late father was a New York city firefighter. He and three other buddies had season tickets to the Rangers when I was really, really young. If I haven't shared this story with you, I, I'll do it now. Yeah. No. Um, so Going back to Madison Square Garden for me has always been special. I'm from New York. I was raised on Long Island, but I mentioned my father, NYC Fire Department, and they were season ticket holders. But the cool thing is with the way that the building PJ has been retrofit, yeah, Madison Square Garden doesn't look anything like it used to. So when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, holding my dad's hand, walking in to uh, Madison Square Garden, those seats where we sat, and watch the the uh, the the mid seventies bullies, the flyer bullies, and all those great teams. Those seats don't even exist anymore, Joe. They're gone. I, I went, I, I you know, little nostalgia. I'd be going in there and I try and let's see where my dad and I w- used to sit. They don't even exist anymore. You can't get to where I used to watch the games from. It's really really cool. There's always a a, a soft spot in my heart for those New York teams. I, I as a hockey player, I played inside Nassau Coliseum quite a bit, the home of the Islanders. Uh, those Islander teams that was their, their dynasty were, were my, they overlapped with my four years in high school. So all of my buddies who were huge uh, Islander fans, I, I can't say that I was an Islander or Ranger fan. My dad being the Ranger fan, I guess I leaned that way, Of course. but all of the buddies in high school, Oh yeah, here come the Isles. No, they're not going to do it again. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Four in a row. I, I just, I love talking about the New York teams and I, I get a kick out of going, into those buildings and broadcasting those games. Although this year we're not traveling anywhere, fellas. It's uh, it's going to be all DC based for us. I'll yeah, see you a lot in the studio, Joe B. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You will and be I'll, seeing I'll be, me quite a bit. I'll be virtually. I'll be virtually making a lot of your graphics. So we'll be. Uh, boy. We'll, we'll be working all together in some capacity. Um, Glad that you're here. involved. I, hey, it's it's it was a whirlwind yesterday. Actually, I don't know if you could tell from the camera. I got this little like red thing here. Uh, it was like it was like a. Uh, Huey, uh, he, he mentioned it. It's a good thing that he's got me on the Caps games because yesterday I had a, I had a dental procedure minor, nothing serious, but the sutures fell out. So I, was so I was supposed to start my shift at three o'clock and all of a sudden just pouring, pouring oh. blood. And PJ, PJ came in, got the first bit of the show, uh, the, the, the rundown going. And then uh, Huey texted me like a good hockey player. It's why he's got me on Caps. I didn't miss a shift. I got right <laughs> back, know. got it sutured back up and got back for the rest of the show. You <laughs> so, know that. You have to oh, play good. hurt. Solid <laughs> job. It. Good job. That's it. Um, somber note. Last question here before we move into the Swift 7. Um, 
obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't send some well wishes Henrik Lundqvist way in light of the open heart surgery. Um, certain things bigger than hockey. I'm sure I speak for all of us in wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, the on ice component though, I did want to ask you about that uh, because I think that was one of the bigger storylines for the caps in the off season and coming into the season, no more hope be with Sam Sonoff. So then he was going to be with a hall of famer in Lundqvist. Well, now he's gone and now it's just Sam Sonoff from what you've seen from him and what you know from him. Do you think he's ready to just carry this team as a guy? First off, I echo your, uh, your sentiments to the Lundqvist family. Uh, Henrik has been the gold standard in, mm-hmm. in New York for such a long time. And I was really looking forward to having the chance to work with him as opposed to against him with mm-hmm. regard to Capitals telecast. And, and trust me, he would have come in and been a fabulous leader inside the room and not just Elias Samsonov. I think every one of the caps would have benefited from having um, Lundquist in their dressing room, uh, whispering words of wisdom, wisdom to them. Um, this is a very special, special cat. So I hope everything goes well. And uh, he lives a very, very long, long, healthy life. And he's been super productive on the ice. I don't know where that stands with regard to his playing future. Um, more specifically to Sam Sonoff, Ilya is from what I've been told, an amazingly intense competitor, much in the way that Lundquist was, you know, people look at Hank and, and, and they would sit, you know, they, they'd see the, they'd see the male model, good looks and the, the ability to play the guitar in a rock band and all this stuff. And they, they would have one perception of Lundquist. They didn't really see the incredibly burning competitor side of Lundquist. They would see it on the ice, uh, obviously in the way that he played, but they wouldn't know him off the ice to be that way. Sam Sonoff has a lot of those same characteristics, I'm told. All he wants to do is win. He's a super talented player in his own right. I, I think he'll benefit from Scott Murray's teachings. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll tighten him up. Ilya is a lot like the young, um, the young Russian goalie I'm seeing in the World Junior Tournament, Askarov. Askarov is amazingly athletic. And from what I gather, all of these up-and-coming Russian goalies, uh, Sorokin, Shosturkin, um, Askarov, this, this young 18 year old, they're amazingly reflexive and athletic, but you have to rein them into today's NHL. And I think good goaltending coaches will do that. Sam Sonoff's game will be refined. Uh, I'm hoping he's healthy. Uh, I've been told that he's healthy. You remember he'd had the injury that prevented him from going into the bubble to be a uh, Braden's backup. I think the move to, to bring Craig Anderson in on a PTO is interesting um, I wish it were Craig Anderson five or six years ago. It's not. It's a 39-year-old Craig Anderson who didn't necessarily show his best playing behind a beleaguered Ottawa team. Let's see what he looks like when he's given a chance. If so, if the if the tryout arrangement works, if he's given an opportunity to play goal behind a, a Caps team, how will that affect his his effectiveness? I, I think um, I still think he's another player who wants desperately to win. At this stage, he's way on the back nine now of his career. And Vitek Vanacek is the youngster saying, hey, don't forget about me. Um, an American Hockey League all-star, the organization speaks very well of him. You're going to need two goalies. Uh, I'd, li- I'd like to get away from this. Oh, it's back-to-back. Automatically, you've got to play the, a second goalie. I don't think you have to. But if you know the analytics people win their battles, that will be the case. And you'll be seeing a lot of whomever is second fiddle to Samsonov. I, I'd like to see Ilya play a few of those back-to-backs and, and really thrive in those. Uh, I think he has all the tools, guys. He's a, 
He's a physically imposing kid. He's big in the net. He looks big in the net. A lot of the world junior goalies that I'm watching in the, in the tournament these last few days are not 6'3 and 6'4. Uh, and you, and you notice it right away. You're like, Whoa, you know, he's a six foot tall goalie and he looks like me. Yeah. That, that that's <laughs> not right because you're used to seeing all these Vasilevskis at six, four and five. And you're, you're used to seeing this assembly line of monsters in the cage. I, I, Samsonov has that six foot three frame. He plays bigger than that. I think he's got to improve some of someone in the puck handling. I, I think that's going to be a step back from Braden Hopi. who was so good with the goalie stick. But I think the organization, I know the organization has high hopes for Samsonov. Now it's his time to prove it. Maybe it's a little faster in terms of the development. If Lundquist were here, maybe Samsonov would not have had to have matured so quickly. But now you better be ready, Ilya, and we're counting on you. Joe B, we got about five minutes left before Zoom kicks five us out. Five minutes. Five minutes. So we're going to go on a super fast Swift 7, and then we got your trivia question for you. That I know chance. you've been redemption. waiting for. So <laughs> You guys are going to stump me again. I, got I just a good told one. you my mind is bush. I haven't been studying. <laughs> we got No, Joe did find you a good this, one. This is um, such a setup. This is such oh. a setup. <laughs> Joe B, question number one. No Winter Classic this year. If you had your choice, what would be your dream matchup for the Caps in terms of the team they played and the venue they played at? Penguins on the National Mall. Okay, like it. Wow. What road trip are you going to miss the most this season? Vancouver. Who is your favorite team to watch outside of the Caps? Colorado. And is New Year's Day normally your favorite sports day of the year with Winter Classic, the Rose Bowl, usually a bunch of other college football games going on? Or is it no, I like else? I like Super Bowl Sunday because usually the Caps are in business and then you got the big game and you can pl- you know you're in a you're in a party atmosphere. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be the case this year. Again, thank you, pandemic. Yeah. Uh, can we can we please move on and and uh, and get the vaccines out so that everybody feels comfortable again, slowly but surely. I know that's coming, but no, Super Bowl Sunday. Okay. okay. Number five, whether it's Shesterkin who qualifies still technically or Alexi Lafreniere, do you see one of the rookies from my Rangers winning the rookie of the year? Well, Kako didn't do very well last year. No, he did not. <laughs> and I thought he might. Adam Fox did, though. He came. I he thought came, he might. He got in the, he got in the um, I, I mean, Lafreniere has to be one of those leading candidates. Shesterkin's going to be really impactful. Um, goalies, I, I, I'm going to say no to a Ranger Rookie of the Year. That's all right. I accept it. I'll take uh, the rest six. of the field. Okay. Number six, Rutgers, Indiana, 97 laterals. Is that the craziest yeah. play you ever called? Um, y- yes. Yes. And, and I wish it would have would have been Stunned. upheld yes. the, the <laughs> Shameen Jones play. The poor guy is basically on his nose and he managed yep. to make that lateral from basically the turf. And it was two inches ahead of him. All right, I mean, last... ugh, a chance for immortality. That's a story of my life, guys. You're I would have been immortal. Uh, you're you're been that. immortal and it doesn't count. That's a story of my life. Last up one, until you stump me again with trivia, that, <laughs> then that becomes a new story. Last one up against the clock. The league put out those reverse retro jerseys for every team. Did you have a favorite that stuck out above the rest? Oh, you know, um, I, I do like the Washington one, although I think that's a lot of red. I don't really like the Montreal one, which is too much blue. Yeah. What was the one that I really, really liked? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I think... 
just from a concept standpoint, I thought the wild one was cool. Was yeah, nice. a lot of people like that. I yeah. thought the wild one was pretty cool. Yeah. All right, Joe. Trivia, you've been waiting for it. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. You remember? Go. Three oh, sorry, guys. I can't hear you. You're breaking down. <laughs> Technology's breaking down. Go ahead. Three, three strikes or 90 seconds. If you need uh, me to clear I hate up, this. If you need me to clear up what I'm asking for, just let me know. But Ovi enters this season with 706 goals. That means yeah. on seven occasions, he's had that big milestone night or he's gotten to that next hundred club. Uh, now, if you can sweep all seven, more power to you. But I want you to tell me at least five of the seven teams that Ovi got his milestones against. So who his hundredth came against, who his two hundredth came against, and so on. One hundred is Lundqvist, Joe. Yes. I didn't mean the goalies. I meant the teams. But if you get the goalies, too, go for it. That is correct. Two hundred is quick. Correct. Joe B ain't messing around. There's not two. messing around with this one. <laughs> Three hundred is... Toronto and who's Correct. the goalie? Oh, I don't it. have the goalies. I just went with the. I, uh, I know the goalie. You want the goalies Ooh. though? It was in 2011. If that helps you with the goalie. Damn it! I could see the goalie. I could see his nameplate. 400 is empty net. Hurricanes. Correct. Yes, empty net hurricanes. 500 is uh, the Hamburglar. Correct. Well done. 600 is uh, home. Hellebuck. Winnipeg. Yes. 700 at. Jersey Blackwood. There it is. Woo! You redeemed it. There well you go. <laughs> done. Who's the damn Toronto goalie? I don't, I don't uh, have it. I I just went with the teams. But so, it so even if you... it wasn't that big monster kid Gustafson. Was it around Gustafson? then? Was it was it Rhymer around then? Maybe it could have been Rhymer or Toscala. Okay. Damn it. That would have right. been a good sweep. You got you got all the teams sweep. and you got empty net too. So there you go. <laughs> empty net Carolina. Well Joe done, B. Joe B. Zoom's about to kick us off. We can't thank you enough for hopping out again. Hopefully 2021 is has so much better to offer than 2020. Happy yeah. New Year to you and all your family members and friends. And uh, oh, PJ and I will be hearing you a ton doing all the games. So he'll be Fellas, in the studio. Thanks. I'll be virtual. I look virtual. forward to seeing you in the studio. I look forward to seeing you soon. You, you as too, well. Joe thanks, B. Joe. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Joe, so good to see another Joe. Joe Beninati for the second time as he gets ready for cap season. And... When we think of our questions for the Swift 7, every once in a while, there's one that I think of that you think of when I'm looking through our different questions for each other to make sure that they don't match up. We don't have the same question. And when I thought of the Winter Classic question for who we'd like to see the Caps playing at what venue, I'm like, I'm interested to see his answer. And he brought up mm-hmm. the National Mall. I figured he'd say the Penguins. But to, the, to say the National Mall, I'm like, now that would Look, be I don't know how sick. that would – Right, yeah. Because having been there a ton, going to school at Maryland, going to DC, I don't, I don't see where you would they freeze over the reflecting pool. No, 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 no. you could, no, no, no. you could get, you could get a rink installed. That's not the rink's not the issue. You get the rink installed the same way they install a rink on a baseball field. But my question is the the fans. Like thinking about the National Mall, right? You you're gonna have in that middle patch of grass. That's where you got the rink. So the rink's not a question. The rink is not a question here, but it's just, are the walkways on the sides enough to like put like grandstands going upwards? I don't see how you can possibly get more than shoot. I'm just going to throw out a, a guesstimate here. If you're putting the surrounding it with like makeshift stands, I don't see how you get more than 5,000 fans. Which would like, honestly be kind of cool. Which would be kind I mean, of that would cool. make, yeah. It'd be a really cool, intimate thing. And it'd be more of a, it'd certainly be more of a made-for-TV sort of ordeal than a in-person. But 
that'd be, I mean, I would love watching that with the Washington monument in oh. the background behind one of the goals. You get, I mean, think of the pictures you could get, you get like, you, you get, you get, you know, the, the goaltender before the game or the teams for the, before the game standing for the national anthem. And you see the Washington monument in the back, like it'd be a, a, a visual spectacle, but yeah, I don't see how you get fan, like how, how you get more than 5,000 fans just yeah. physically in that space. So Joe B we'll would be calling the game from uh, Lincoln's lap. And then uh, you'd have the NBC guys up in the uh, Washington Monument Tower looking out one of those little windows. Now, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun, though. Uh, I don't know if he had, like, been throwing that idea around or if he just thought about it on the spot. But that would be that would be really, really cool. That'd be something. That would be something. Um, All right. We'll talk a little bit about the NHL. Joe, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know a lot. Not your favorite. You guys were talking about Shlonenoff and Kapitov, and <laughs> it's like, I'm just it's, nodding look, it's my like, head. It's like when we started the golf stuff back in the spring. Like, you took hockey has always been me to golf. We're like, I'll come out for all the majors. I'll, I'll put on the Sundays of, like, the in-betweens, but I don't know everybody like you do. I feel like you're the same way with hockey. Like, you know the big teams, you know the big stuff. We get to the playoffs, you love it, but you're not going to get into the nitty-gritty. So, if you have any um, – futures you would like to offer on the cup or an mvp you can go for it but after i take a sip of water because my mouth is dry still because of the dental procedure i'm going to get to my uh just my division favorites and my futures as well so i'll give you the floor first if you got any couple small picks while i mute this so you don't hear me all right let's see to stanley cup futures coming out of the east oof all right good to go that's the one thing i've hated the most about this Mouth gets so dry. Can't wait yeah, to fully hear. I mean, yeah, I agree with and Joe like I said B. with Joe B, thanks for, thanks for taking the shift for me yesterday very quickly on short notice. So no like problem. A, like a hockey player got back for the next bit. I was going to be funny and say that I was the emergency goalie. What was that guy's name? David? Ayers. Ayers. I couldn't remember his name. I'm like, I was David Ayers at the last second. I couldn't remember. Um, the Flyers, I, I – they're, they're good. I mean, Carter Hart's Flyers, the real we got deal. plus 1,400. They are fifth. Okay, I like them. And then uh, I, I like Vegas again. I think Dallas is going to get a lot of love for how they played. The Blues Vegas won a couple. second at plus 800. Okay, yeah. I mean, Colorado will be really good. Like McKinnon and Landis Gog, they're, they're nasty. But uh, my MVP sleeper, he plays out in Vancouver, so it's going to be super tough for the guy to win it. But Elias Patterson, I think. Not bad, not bad. Scott. He's not as much of a sleeper as you think. Looking at the list, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, he is eighth at odds at plus 1600. So okay. Yeah. Cause he plays in Vancouver and he's not like the brand that McKinnon Correct. is. It obviously yeah. hurts or that uh, McDavid is, it hurts him. But uh, I, watching that series against the golden Fantastic. Knights, I'm like, yeah. he, he's good. He's so that's PJ's two minutes of hockey. Joe, take the floor. There you go. All right. I'm going to run through it <laughs> quick. So for the MVP, one thing that stuck out in my mind is the divisional realignment. The Canadian division is not good because there's a lot of not good Canadian teams. So since Connor McDavid is going to get 56 games of playing exclusively Canadian teams, it is a chalk pick at plus 460. But with him on the line as dry with, with Dreisaitl, and last year Dreisaitl winning it, McDavid also being a finalist with him, uh, and again, playing exclusively Canadian teams, and a bunch of them aren't good. I think they're going to rack up the points again as a unit, McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I think in the same way that, you know, voters have gotten LeBron fatigue and might get Mahomes fatigue and used to have Michael Jordan fatigue. I think there's a little bit of Connor McDavid fatigue because we know he's the best player in the world. Yeah. Um, 
McKinnon has has bridged the gap, but he's not there. So I think a season of playing against those Canadian teams, it's going to really stuff the stat sheet for McDavid and Dreisaitl, and McDavid gets it again. Chalk pick. It's almost like Mike Trout in baseball at this point, uh, where you expect him to win it unless he gets hurt or somebody does something insane. So that's my MVP. Now, Vezina with the goaltenders and Norris defensive and, and Calder for rookie of the year, those are all really tough this year, especially, again, the divisional thing. It's more about who is playing an easier schedule and gets to stuff the stat sheet. Vezina, I've got honestly no clue. Could be anybody among the top guys. I'm going Carter. If I had to pick somebody. That's my. I'd thing. say, I would. I would. He's right. Th- he's got the same odds as the guy. I'm going to say I would go Carey Price. Same reason. Canadian division. He'll have a, a lot of favorable matchups. He's also mm-hmm. plus a thousand. Uh, Norris Trophy. No clue. We saw last year John Carlson and the Caps got robbed. Robbed. That is always just a fluky thing, and I'm not going to even pick it. Calder Trophy Rookie of the Year, like I mentioned with Joe B. The two favorites are my two guys, Lafreniere and Shesterkin. Lafreniere is plus 250. Shesterkin is plus 350. Um, I'm, I'm going to go of those two as Shesterkin. I think he's that good. Uh, but, again, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somebody else from somewhere else because the division is so difficult for the Rangers, and these guys might artificially have their numbers uh, kind of down a little bit because it's the toughest division. So, there's your players divisions uh, in these new formats. I think Joby hit the hit it right on the head. I, I think the caps are going to be slept on and I think they win the division. I really do. I think Laviolette really? has that. I think, I think Laviolette has that kind of impact on this team. We saw what he did with the predators. We saw what he did in the past with, um, with flyers. Like he's a guy who comes in and he just changes a team. And this team is still has a lot of talent. There are some holes. But I think Sam Sonoff could be as good or better than what Hopi was. That and Laviolette, yeah. he lights a fire under them. And look, the Caps, we know from the past, they're a team that has gotten streaky here or there. And if they can be on their A game in a 56-game season, watch out. And he mentioned the holes that the Bruins have with health and the Penguins, not entirely sure. The Islanders, can they keep it up? The Flyers, what do they look like? Look, it's, it's anybody's race. The odds, here are the odds for that whole division. Bruins plus 250, Penguins plus 360, Islanders, Flyers, Capitals, all plus 450, Rangers plus 700. Then there's a jump down to plus 1,000 and plus 2,000 with the Sabres and Devils. Anyone's division, I'll go with the Caps. I should have told Joby that he would have been very happy. <laughs> Didn't want to give um, him all that satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. In, the, in the central, be hard-pressed to pick against the Lightning. But if you have some value on a team, just because it's such, this is the weirdest of all the divisions, it's the weirdest out of all of them. You look below, you've got the Stars at plus 450, the Hurricanes at plus 380. If the Lightning kind of take their foot off the throttle a little bit just because they played the longest into the bubble, they won the cup, they have these, the, you know, kind of nursing everybody back to health. Maybe they pull back. Maybe they don't, like Joe B said, play a lot of guys on back-to-backs. So maybe that hurts their point total and they're a, a juggernaut come playoff time. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if they – don't win the division and right behind them are the canes and the stars if you're looking for some value i'll say the canes win it a young team that can play all those back-to-backs and and they're right there i think they win the division but i think the lightning are still the better team it's just a a factor of them coming off of a deep run and a a cup hangover and games in a condensed schedule in the north this is the canadian division um 
the Maple Leafs are plus 140 as a prohibitive favor, and I don't think that's correct. I look behind them to the Oilers at plus 420, and that's my pick. And even the Canucks at plus 550, they they showed a lot last year. They have the fourth best odds in that division. So the only team I know for sure is not winning it is the Senators at plus 2,800. They will be <laughs> the team in the running for the number one pick. That's the team so, I'm betting on. I, I like the Oilers and Canucks chances for some value. I don't see it with the Maple Leafs. I just don't. Yeah. Then in the West, this is probably the most unchanged out of all the divisions. It's just teams in the West. And this one is, again, it's one of the easier ones to handicap overall because you know it's going to come down to the Avs and the, and mm-hmm. the Golden Knights. It's just a matter of which of those two. I'll go with the Avs. So my division winners as far as which ones to bet, I go with the Avs plus 140. I'll go with the Oilers plus 420. I go with the Canes plus 380 and the Caps plus 450. And then to win it all, I got to go with Colorado for all the reasons Joe B said. I think it's just their time as long as the goaltending is good. It all comes down to the goaltending for them, and I think they've got it. They've got everything else that you could want on a team. So I'll go with – I will go with a Avs over – the East is so hard because we don't know exactly for all the things he was saying about the Bruins and the Lightning and the Caps. Um, I got the the Avs – I don't really want to do this, but I'll, I'll say the caps. I'll say, I'll say it's the avalanche over the caps. Wow. So, You're just doing that to hurt me. Aren't there's, you? there's all the, there's all the hockey that we'll cram into here because I know it's not your favorite, <laughs> but there's, there's my quick and dirty spark notes uh, outline for this 56 game sprint to the finish. I like it. Look, I, I hope you're right. We had Rob Carlin <laughs> on a couple uh, episodes ago and I asked him over under three and a half, three years for the caps getting back to another cup. And he said he thought they would and they'd win it. So and wait a minute. What am I saying? I'm saying abs in the e- in the West and caps in the East, completely forgetting what Joe B just said about that. They're reseeding. So actually I can't make a cup pick. I'll just go with the abs winning it, but I can't even go with a matchup because we don't know how it's going to be. It's not so true confused, but I'll take yeah. your word for it. Um, I'll go with the abs winning it all. No clue what a matchup. <laughs> there we go. Take the abs. Before we get into the NFL, Joe, uh, how about the Terps at Wisconsin? Yeah, you know, not much basketball to talk quite yet. Conference play will start soon. NBA just got up off the ground. We've seen a lot of weirdness where um, with, with no fans and, and schedule quirks where the Bucks lose by 20 to the Knicks and then come out and win by 50 against the Heat. And the Mavericks beat the crap out of the Clippers who had just beaten the Lakers. Yeah. And the Blazers just beat the Lakers. It's going to be a weird year in the NBA. We'll, we'll get into that, obviously, more as it goes along. But we previewed the NBA season last week. But, yeah, the Terps, man, they, like, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, a road win against a top-10 team for the first time since the second Bush administration when they beat uh, – I don't even remember who they beat on the road. But it was 2008. That was their last road win against a top uh, against a top-10 team. Their last win against a top-10 team uh, was in January of 2016 against Iowa. So – it's, it's been a while. And I was, I honestly, to be honest, may, maybe it makes me a bad fan, but I did not watch that first half. There was some other stuff on TV. I did not watch the first half because I was afraid. And then I saw the score and I was like, Oh, we might actually do this because PJ, I've seen this movie so many times. Of course. Mark, Turgeon, Mark Turgeon on the road against the top 10 team. Oh. His senior They have seven seniors that yeah. are in the rotation. They're older like, than the is, Chicago bulls are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is not going to, this is not going to work out. And then I'm like, all right, all right, we got this. Maybe we got this. And then they come out Wisconsin. They have a good run to start the second half. And I'm like, all right, this is more normal. And then we come back and Dante Scott dunks on everybody in the Cole Center. And we did it. So you know what? The Big Ten has no bottom. And and now I'm more excited about the rest of the Terps season. Because you get a win win like that on their resume. 
and that's going to help them come tournament selection time where they're going to be a bubble team. See, but this is what happens. You you expected nothing. We were all just like, oh, the Terps probably going to miss the tournament. They mm-hmm. lose to Rutgers. They lose to Purdue. That's not they a bad go, loss, though, Rutgers. Not, not a bad loss, but they go on the road to Wisconsin, and in the years past, you're like, all right, if they put together a good performance, Wisconsin coming off a big win like Michigan State, maybe a letdown spot, maybe the Terps win. But everybody was like, eh, nah. like they're just not going to win. And then they win the game like this, yeah. and now they're going to come home tomorrow – on Thursday, play Michigan, and watch them probably lay a dud. You're probably right. Because that's what they'll probably, probably right. do. But and, that's- the number, and this week, Wisconsin lost at number six. Houston lost last night to Tulsa at number five. Uh, so we'll see as we start getting into the main bulk of conference play what it looks Yo, like. Yo, one more thing about college. One more thing about college hoops. Look, March Madness, I mean, when there's a team that's so clear and obvious, the favorite, like that undefeated Kentucky team was, I usually don't ever pick them. But I just – I don't know how you – I know what you're about to say. I don't know how exactly. you don't pick Gonzaga. Like, when the you score you 90 on Virginia. The only way – the only way you don't pick against Gonzaga is if they play um, Butler, Baylor. And even then, I'd probably pick Gonzaga. I wish we were robbed of that yeah, game, we PJ. were. We, we were. were. I said it that week that those two teams all year will probably not fall below three or four. And they, it's looking like that. They're just – they scored 90 points on – when you do it against Iowa and you do it against Kansas, fine. When you do it to Virginia, that That's gets crazy. my attention. I'm yes. like, okay. Yeah. So yeah. As long as everybody's healthy. I don't know two how. Thing, as long as everybody's healthy, there's two things I'm going to do when I make my bracket in March, if there's a tournament, hopefully. Two things. I'm going to drag Gonzaga to the finals. I'm going to drag Baylor to the finals. I will fill in the rest, and then I will decide on who I pick in the final. Baylor, I'm not as sold on because oh, Virginia, am, PJ. Virginia has showed us you can play amazing, amazing defense, but you still got to have good enough but offense. They, but they do. That's the Their thing. offense they, is I, good. I but think that's the thing. They, they are, they're made in the mold of those Virginia teams, but they have so many scoring options. They have so many scoring options. Plus, so it's I, I Baylor. Think like, are you really ready? <laughs> and I know Gonzaga doesn't do anything in the tournament either, but at least they're consistently there. As much chaos as there is in March Madness, like when you go through it and see who plays for the championship game, it's really not as many like wide variety of teams as you would think. Look, True. Baylor's the second best team in the country. I agree with you. I hope they play in the finals, but we'll see. Gonzaga, though, as of now, 1,000%. I just I don't see how they lose. Joe, week 17, here we go. We made it. Final week of the NFL season. I don't know how we made it, but we made it. Props to the NFL. No games canceled. No week 18. This is it. Playoff spots on the line. Uh, we'll start in the AFC. Do you see the playoff picture changing? Does Indianapolis get into the playoffs or are they left out? All right, so here's the thing. I got the ESPN playoff machine up. Yeah. I gave my picks for all 16 uh, – six, yeah, all 16 games this week. Okay. I'm going to run through them real quick. I don't Go know ahead. if you get the same thing on your computer. You want to do the uh, same thing? Yeah, let me let me pull it up. Pull it up quick. while I do it. All right. Yeah, go ahead. I went through them all. I got Dolphins over Bills. I think the Bills are going to rest their guys. Jets over Patriots has no bearing on anything. I got the Ravens over the Bengals and a squeaker. I've got the Browns over the Steelers. I've got the Cowboys over the Giants. I've got the Lions over the Vikings in a meaningless game. I've got the Bucks over the Falcons. I've got the Texans over the Titans, my upset of the week. Wow. I think, they, I, I think they've been playing well. They got a fire lit under their ass after that J.J. Watt speech. I don't know how you don't come out and play well. Let down spot for the Titans. Mm. I like the Colts big time over the Jags. 
I like the Broncos over the Raiders. I like the Chiefs. I mean, excuse me, the Chargers over the Chiefs. Packers get the one seed by beating the Bears. Uh, Saints beat the Panthers to stay alive for their one seed possibilities. The Cardinals beat the Rams. Kyler Murray is playing. It was just announced. Jared Goff is out. Seahawks over the Niners. And then Washington over the Eagles. I ran through those all. What does it mean? ESPN's playoff machine tells us this based on tiebreakers. It means in the AFC, the one seed Chiefs, yep. two seed Bills, three seed Steelers, four seed Colts, five seed Dolphins, six seed Ravens, seven seed Browns. PJ, it means a three six Steelers Ravens matchup, which I would love because love it's hard that. to beat a team third t- uh, three times. Do it. So I would you feel can't good. Do it. The Ravens would, would win for good. sure. And in the um, NFC, it would mean Packers one seed, Saints two seed, Seahawks three seed, Washington four seed, Tampa Bay five seed, Cardinals six seed. And because the Bears lose to the Packers, the Rams still somehow make it with the loss of the Cardinals at nine and seven as the seven seed. Wow. I mean, the Titans is bold. I see where you're getting at. I think the Titans play hard as well. They should have beaten the Colts twice this year. I mean, yeah. they're right there. When the Titans and Texans played earlier in the year, that game went to overtime. Mm-hmm. So the Titans have been playing that game two- went to overtime because the Texans blew it. If you remember, that was the game where Vrabel very wisely took that 12 men on the field yes. penalty as well. Yes. So yes. they play them well. I think that speech from after that speech from JJ Watt, I mean, how could you not come out and play with your hair on fire and try to spoil things for the Titans? Something too, you know, all this time on the pod, we've been talking about how badly the Steelers needed to win against the Colts to get this much-needed rest this week. Titans haven't had much rest either Mm -hmm. because they were the one who had the COVID issues. So they were supposed to play the week that their game against the Steelers was canceled. They didn't, but a lot of those guys were sick. And then, obviously, you had all the chaos leading up to the Bills game. So the Titans are kind of a team that's reeling. With that being said, though, I mean, the elements really hurt them in Green Bay on Sunday night. They just were not prepared to play in the snow in that first half. The fact that they're in a dome and as good of a team on the road as they are, it's it's tough. I I mean, yeah, I look, I think the Colts definitely are, are rooting for the – they see the Texans as, as their best shot of getting mm-hmm. in, which would be something if the Titans don't get in because, I mean, the Titans – might have the second or third best offense in the AFC. The way the Bills are going right now, they probably have the third best. But that uh, look, I would love that if the Titans were out yes. and the Ravens get in because that of is course. a team we can't beat. But uh, yeah, Dolphins Bills, man, that to me is the game. Um, I think the Bills win, even if Josh Allen doesn't play. Flores, I just I don't know how I feel about the whole Tua thing. I get why he's doing it because. On the one hand, he's looking for the future and he's giving him this valuable experience. But on the other hand, you got so many veterans in that locker room. Like, look, I don't know how many more times I'm going to get to the playoffs. We True, win this but game. It's, it's a very in. young. T- it's a very young team. I think that's. But part at of this the thing point, there. they all kind of know that Fitzpatrick is their best chance, especially for one game. If you're True. going through through the majority of the season, we all know the guy has his ebbs and flows. But I mean, if you just need one game to win it. I've got no problem with the way Flores has handled it. I think he's done a good job. I think that it's, it's a, it's a weird line that he's had to tiptoe all year long where, all right, maybe they didn't expect to be that good out of the gates and be in a playoff position, but he also wants to bring Tua along and Tua has shown his flashes. 
but he's got to learn. But does he learn more by sitting or playing? I think there's only, there's really only two quarterbacks in the NFL where this works. Fitzpatrick and Tua, knowing their characters, it's the only way it works and it has worked. I think you start to uh, see what he does. If you need to go to Fitzy again, you go to him again. I don't think there's any problems there. And uh, it's, it's a very weird dynamic, but he's worked it so far. And that's why he, him with him pushing those buttons, he and McDermott are just about co-favorites for coach of the year now after this past week. McDermott's plus 100. Flores is plus 125. Yo, Josh Allen's really freaking good. Yes. And Stefan Diggs is really freaking good, too. Yes. Um, what's kind of ironic, though, about Buffalo is they should be a team that's obviously built to play in the snow and crappy weather, but their passing offense is so great that is playing at home almost going to hurt them. You know what I'm saying? True. That's true. Uh, So to me, that's what's interesting to watch with Buffalo, especially if they play a team like the Colts or the Ravens or the Titans or the Browns, teams that run the ball so well, and it's a crap game. Is that a disadvantage to Buffalo? True. I'm with you, though, on the Ravens-Bengals game. Everybody's like, oh, the Ravens are going to kill the Bengals. Bengals are hot as hell right now. You just saw what they did to the Steelers, and – the Ravens never play well in Cincinnati, ever. Nope. In the Flacco years, they never did. Last year, Lamar whooped Cincinnati, but that was a week eight, you know, meaningless game. This is obviously a chance to go to the playoffs, so I think that'll be a closer game. So what's your seedings look like then? Uh, I, I've i got uh, everything you do except – oh, wait, excuse me. Let me, let me fix it because I had yours in. So I actually have the Dolphins missing out. I think okay. the Titans and Colts both get in. Kansas City's the one. Buffalo's the two. Steelers fall to the Browns. They get the three. Tennessee wins the AFC South. They get the four. So it's Titans-Ravens, 4-5. It's Pittsburgh-Cleveland who get to turn around and play each other right again in 3-6. And then Buffalo and Indy, 7-7. Okay. And that's my matchup. NFC – Oh, God, Rams, Cardinals. I almost like the Rams because I feel like now that they don't have golf, that defense is going to even play even that much Could be. better for Walford. And no Cooper Cup's big, too. He's on, is he not playing or are they he's waiting? On the con- he, he's on the COVID list because of contact tracing. I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah, so obviously if he can't go, that would be big. So I think the Cardinals lose, which means that it doesn't matter what happens to the Bears. So I think they get in. But where where we differ is I think Washington falls on Sunday night to the Eagles, whether or not Alex Smith plays. Joe, I think the New York Giants beat right. Dallas. And look, Dallas, again, we all wrote them off in the middle of the year. They were playing terrible. They've looked really good these last two games. And we should have written them off because they suck, but it's the NFC East. (laughs) Right. But now they're playing again. They're playing well. Everybody's buying back into Dallas. They're playing a big game with a chance to go into the playoffs. Where have I seen this movie before? I see the logic. Always Daniel Jones, falls in the spot. Always. If Daniel Jones were 100%, I would agree with you. Daniel Jones is not 100%, and he has taken infinity sacks the last couple of weeks ever since his hamstring injury. Um, that's the only thing that's holding me back because anybody should be able to score on the Dallas defense, but with him not at 100% and not much of a running game, I still go with Dallas the way they've bought in. As but again, great- I, think Washington, I think Washington wins because – Alex Smith's storybook ending as long as he starts, and I, I, I can't pick against that. Yeah, that I would be freaking awesome. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that, that would be pretty sick. Uh, right now, 
in as of today, taking the Chiefs or the field to win the Super Bowl? I'm taking the Chiefs. Taking the Chiefs, okay. Taking the Chiefs, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think – I think the Bills give them somewhat of a game. I don't think anybody else in the AFC uh, can beat them. And in the NFC, I I think the three teams with the best chance to come out of the NFC would be the Packers, Saints, or Bucks. And I don't think any of those three teams would beat the Chiefs. I'm just – I think if you pick against the Chiefs at this point, you're just kidding yourself. Like, there's no. I think Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. I really do. do. You? All right. Yeah. All right. They're... And then, I, and and if that's the case, if that's the case, Kansas City will score fifty in the Super Bowl. <laughs> they will score fifty. Oh so. man. Yeah, Kansas City. I just look. It's gonna for Kansas City to lose in the playoffs. The playoff. They're just not. They're just gonna have to be bad. Like they're gonna have to turn the ball over four times. If they play good. Yeah. You're, you're not going that, to like that's what it's exceptionally bad like because they're gonna have to be exceptionally bad because they they were down by 10 or 10 or more in all of their games last year heck the texans had a 24 nothing lead on them and lost a game so they weren't on. even winning at halftime and they were i know <laughs> i know i hit oh. the chiefs i hit pj the best bet of the year <laughs> that i won last year or this in 2020 i guess because that was after new year's the best bet that i hit all year was chiefs Live money line plus 400 when they were down 24 against the Texans. That's how much confidence I had in Patrick Mahomes. They're just, they're stupid. What is he think, 40 bucks I ever made? <laughs> what do you think it would be like to be a fan of the Chiefs and just know that you have Patrick Mahomes for the next no years? idea? I you're couldn't even a, imagine a Jets fan that question. <laughs> I have no idea. And I love Lamar <laughs> with everything. And I think if the kid stays healthy, he's going to be a stud, but he's obviously not. I just can't even imagine what, like having Mahomes at court. I don't think anybody can. The only, if the you're... closest, the closest to Mahomes is peak Aaron Rodgers or peak Tom Brady. Right. But like right. even they, even they, and again, larger sample size, you're going to Patrick Mahomes will come to a point where he has some failures. But even they failed in big moments. We haven't seen Mahomes fail in a big moment. Not we haven't yet. seen it yet. No, He's no. batted a thousand in big moments. <laughs> and, and 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 if you're going to say that there's one that he he messed up, it was when the it was the offside on the D four. Yes, dummy. yes, exactly. It was when the Chiefs <laughs> lost to the Patriots, but he never saw the ball in overtime. Right. So. Yeah, he's he's really really good, Joe. All right, <laughs> best bets time. Uh, we. So I went two and three last week. You went one and four. So... Correct. I, I, I made a boo-boo. I, whenever we do this, I always have about eight or ten on the list that I picked from. Um, and I, I, I'll, I'll try to make sure that we don't have too many of the same ones. We had a couple last week with the Rams and Steelers. So I didn't go with the Falcons, who I loved also last week. I went with the Browns, but then I'm an idiot, and I just didn't think about it to change it after their whole receiver room got wiped out. But um, but that's on me; it's my fault. So yeah, you got you went two and three, so you've got a one pick lead. You are 38 and 44. That doesn't add up. Yes, it does. 38 and 44, and I am 37, 44, and one. We got got a nice little divisional battle going right here. You tied or got a half game lead? Yeah. Yes. All right, Joe, uh, since I'm leading, I'll go first. Uh, look, week 17, the NFL is tough, so I got three bowl games on the slate. Kentucky minus two and a half versus NC State. Why? Kentucky's four and six. NC State is eight and three in rank, and Kentucky is somehow favored in this game. Mark Stoops is just – he's a good bowl coach, and Kentucky, they don't throw a lot. They're a physical team with a good defense, 
And NC State, I've bet them a couple times this year, and I just I don't love them, honestly. So I like Kentucky minus two and a half because the spread's a, a little a little stinky, and it hasn't moved at all. It hasn't gone to three. It hasn't gone to two. It's stayed at two and a half this whole whole time that it's come out, so I like Kentucky. All right, I'm going to have to have backup picks for two of mine this week. Okay. So my number five pick, PJ, <laughs> would you believe it? Week 17. The New I'm York taking, football I'm Jets. Taking, I'm not picking against. I'm taking the New York football Jets plus 150 as three-point dogs. Wow. Why? Because, you know what, PJ? Because this is the first time since week three that I'm actually able to root for the Jets uh, because they're locked into number two. I know Adam Gates is getting fired on my birthday on Monday anyway. And they've won, they've won two in a row. And the Patriots are reeling, and I hate the Patriots, so I would love to beat them. So, for once this year, I get to actually very, very, uh, uh, with, with a lot of vigor, root for my Jets, finally, for the first time in a long time. And I think it's a great matchup for them. And I have to have a backup because LaMichael Pirine tested positive for COVID, so not a contact trace. Like, he tested positive for COVID, so right. we don't know how many others that will wipe out. So, I'll have to see. But as long as it doesn't wipe out anybody major – I got the Jets money line against Patriots. And how great has Cincinnati been winning all these games? So you're guaranteed the number two pick, and you can root for the Jets to win this week. You can root for it. Exactly. Beautiful. My number four, Kansas City's not going to have Mahomes. I would assume Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are going to play. But they're still at home. These other guys will want to play hard, and the Chargers are favored on the road. Hell no. Anthony Lynn on the road against Andy Reid. Getting three and a hook. Kansas City can lose by a field goal. You're still a winner. Again, no Mahomes, but Kansas City getting points at home. I like the Chiefs to keep it close and possibly even win outright. My question for that game would just be, um, will those other guys also sit out? Because Tyreek Hill's been nursing a little bit of a hamstring, and and Kel, Kel, I, th- I don't think Kelsey will sit. So that would be my one question. But, hey, I, I agree with you. As long as all those other guys are playing – I would, I would go with the Chiefs as yeah. well. So um, let me give you my two backup picks real quick because okay. my, my two fallback plans here, if the Jets end up being decimated by COVID, if they do, I like San Jose State minus nine and a half against Ball State. Okay. I think they win that game by double digits. San Jose right. State, great story this year. That's one of my backup picks. My other backup pick, also in college, uh, I like Iowa State minus four against Oregon. Uh, just Matt Campbell coach team against an Oregon team that I think has been a little bit overrated. I think Matt Campbell will have him ready to go. Those are my two backup picks just in case. And I need a second backup pick because my number four best bet of the week is the Washington football team minus one and a half against the Eagles. As long as Alex Smith plays, if he plays, I, t- I said it all year long, every step of the way, the people who are loving this season the most are the Disney writers because yeah. they got Ryan Gosling ready as, as the casted guy to play Alex Smith because the resemblance is uncanny. They got it ready to go. He came back. He got his starting job back, beat the undefeated Steelers on a primetime game, and he's got this team in a chance to win and in win the division on Sunday night football against the Eagles. And then you can see it right there because they're not going to win a playoff game against the Bucks. So you, I can, PJ, I can see it already. You get, you go to the movie theater. The, 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 it ends with Alex Smith wearing the hat and shirt, 
NFC East champs. The screen freezes. You get the writing on the bottom. Alex Smith and the Washington football team went on to lose their next game, but he went on to play X amount more seasons, and he's now uh, retired peacefully on his ranch in Minnesota. I don't know. You can see how that movie ends, man, and it ends with Washington winning on Sunday night if he plays. And that was one and a half, correct? One and a half, correct. Everybody's talking about Alex Smith and whether or not he plays. McLaurin better play, too, because True, uh, yeah. that, that would be a tough loss. Now, you like Washington. My number three is another NFC East game. I just told oh, you. Oh, we skip it something. You can go four. Did you go that four? was Kansas City. Kansas City. Oh, yes. No. I'm, I'm so, my late. number three, the New York football Giants plus three against Dallas. I think they win outright. They win the NFC East again. It's just Dallas Cowboys. Like, here we go again. Week 17, a chance to go to the playoffs. They're playing well. Everybody likes them. The Giants have been awful these past co- ever since that seattle win the giants have been terrible um but now they're at home where they're 2-0 and against divisional opponents this year and again the last two game game the two the last two games where dallas has played well uh they've been at home in the dome now you got to go out maybe deal with some elements in new jersey in january um i like the giants defense to come up strong daniel jones makes just enough plays giants plus three against dallas all right, PJ, my number three is going to college. I love Cincy plus seven and a half against Georgia. Mm-hmm. How many times now have we seen Georgia lay an egg in a bowl game, whether it's against Texas, whether it was against the UCF back then? They lay eggs in bowl games. It's a storyline every year, and they just have, you know, they, there's just no motivation for them. They, they've just been an afterthought in the SEC all year long. They've somehow been clinging to a top 10 ranking. Cincy feels slighted like all group of five teams do that they weren't even in consideration. It's a very good football team there for Coach Fickle. And similar to what we saw from UCF in the past, I think this is a chance again for that group of five team to come out. I think went outright, sprinkle a little on the money line plus 220, but I'll take the seven and a half points with Cincy against Georgia. If they lose, it's a close one, but I think they come out and went outright. My number two, I'm also going to bowl season. Northwestern minus three and a half versus Auburn. The hook worries me a little bit because this game's going to be a defensive struggle and it could come down to a field goal. But I've watched Auburn a lot this season. I've bet on Auburn a lot this season. They're just, they're not good. Not Their good. offense is really bad. Now Gus is gone. They're going to have interim head coach taking over, Kevin Steele, who's the DC. In Northwestern under Pat Fitzgerald, they're going to be motivated. I think they're going to build off that momentum from the Big Ten championship game. That defense is great, and uh, I like Northwestern minus three and a half. So I mentioned when we were talking about the, the playoffs that I, I, I do like the Texans beating the Titans outright. So plus seven and a half crossed my mind. I will not pick it, though just because there is the other side of that. I don't think there's much of an in-between this week. For Texans-Titans, I think either the Texans win it or the Titans blow them out. I don't think there's much of an in-between, so I'm going to stay away from that Texans 7.5, even though I mentioned it earlier. Uh, my number two pick, good number. Wish it was a little bit better. I wish it was one more point down, but I like the Bucks minus 6.5 against the Falcons. Falcons have been playing teams really, really tough, but I think, I think after last week, I think the wind comes out of the sails a little bit. You, you go into Kansas City, winning most of that game. You had the interception that you dropped in the end zone. Very next play, the Chiefs score the touchdown. Young Way Koo has been the best kicker in the NFL this year. Misses a chip shot, only a second miss of the year. Like it, it just, it just can't get any worse for them. Tell me about and it. I, I had Falcons money line. I, I know. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm still I better. Think, 
I, I think <laughs> I could tell. I think that finally was the little death blow for them. I think Morris gets the job. He deserves it. He does. But I, does. I think they just – that one was just too much, and, and I think they don't respond from it. The Bucks. we talked about a couple of weeks ago when the Steelers were playing the Bengals, but that could have been the Steelers' get-right game where they come out and they score 40, and it's not – it's just game over by halftime. That's what the Bucks did against the Lions. I think they're finally clicking on all cylinders. We saw what their full potential is. We saw them play the Falcons just two weeks ago. They were down 24 to seven. They won it 31, 27. So I think they carry that momentum. They carried that momentum from the Falcons game into the lions game. And I think it rolls over again. They win this one by at least a touchdown minus six and a half. Joe, my number one pick is actually going to be the Georgia Bulldogs minus seven and a half wow. against Cincinnati. Right. <laughs> the reason being, I think this is a very trendy underdog that people are going to take in Cincinnati. If Georgia shows up and they're motivated and they play this like an SEC game, Georgia kills them. There's, there's just right. their defense, but they, the but way their offense, their offense killing the team. I don't know. No, the, but Georgia's offense these past couple weeks with JT Daniels, I'm telling you, they it's put up better. It, it's looked a lot better, a lot better. And because he's going to be the quarterback next year, because Georgia's offense is so young, I really think they want to take this momentum into the offseason. They're going against one of the best defenses in the country, and I think that is going to motivate them. People talking about how great Cincinnati's defense is, how they maybe should have been in the playoff. Georgia, this is this is a game I think they're they're going to blow out Cincinnati. I'll tell, I like that. I'll tell you what. It, this was similar to me to what I was thinking about the Texans, where I see this game again going one of two ways. I think that they could win outright, and I, I picked them to win outright. But on the flip side of that, if they lose, they can lose big. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me. The Texans, if they lose, they can lose big. I don't see the Bearcats losing big if they lose. So the reason I stayed away from the Texans is I see them winning, but if they lose, it could get ugly. Right. Bearcats, I see them winning, but if they lose, I think it's a squeaker. So I like the seven and a half. But we'll see. I like that we have, I like that we have an opposite in a week where there's a half game separating us. All right, my number one, um, I don't like it. I don't like doing this, but I, 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 I just can't. I mean – Look, division opponents in December, fluky things happen. And I think the number is daring me to pick it. And if it's a trap, I'm falling for the trap. But after what happened Sunday night, I I mean, I can't pick it. Packers are minus five and a half against the Bears. And the Bears, I think there's a bit of a recency bias on how they've been playing and, and the games they've won. But they've won them against teams that aren't good. Um so I think there's a little bit of a mirage there. I think this – I thought this spread should have been more along the lines of eight and a half because the Packers, I think, are that much better than the Bears. It's just that the recency of the Bears playing well has brought a little bit closer. I think the Packers win this game by a touchdown. It's Aaron Rodgers in December. I think he wins this game by a touchdown too. And, and it's not like they don't have any motivation for this week. They need to win to yes. ensure the one seed right. because if assuming that the Seahawks beat the Niners and assuming that the Saints beat – the Panthers, a three-way tie sees the Packers on the outside looking in as far as the bye week. If they win, it's theirs. If they lose, they can't have a three-way tie because they would lose in a three. They would win it in the head-to-head of the Saints. They would lose a tiebreaker in a three-way. And I think actually, if I remember correctly, they lose the head-to-head. I mean, they lose the tiebreaker with the Seahawks too. So they have to win this game. They do. And they would love. You saw. You saw Sunday night. You get. That temperature, that snow in Green Bay, 
there's not a team in the NFC that goes into Green Bay and wins that game in the playoffs. It's huge for them to have home field throughout as the one seed. I don't think they slip up. I think they win by at least a touchdown. Packers minus five and a half for my number one of the week. I, I would agree with you. If I had to pick the game, I'd lean Green Bay. The only thing that worries me is the fact that when these two teams played, Green Bay blew them out on Sunday Night Football. Blew them out. And it's tough to beat a team two times, let alone, and especially when that one time was a blowout. Just worries me that with the momentum Chicago's picked up right now, even though it's been against lesser teams, uh, this could be a three, four-point game where Green that's Bay why, wins. That's why I was wary of this game. Up. And that's why I think we're being dared to pick it. But for me, Green Bay clinching the one seed against a rival and only five and a half, that for me barely, barely outweighed the other stuff that gave me any reservations. So I'll go with that one. I'll ride with Rodgers in December. Actually, technically it's January. But I'll ride with him and I won't think twice about it. There you go. Probably league MVP now after his performance. Oh, after, after this past week, going into this week, I believe Mahomes was minus 375. I don't remember what Rodgers was, but now it's flipped. Now Rodgers is minus 300, and Mahomes is plus money. So it totally flipped. The MVP lines this year, it was like Russell Wilson was like, he's a lock. And then it's yeah. when like Mahomes and then Mahomes, Rodgers, and now I think Rodgers. If anybody was daring enough and was betting it at different times throughout the year, it could have made serious money hedging different, different things. They, they really could have. Um, all right, Joe, trivia time. I'm up 11 and a half to 10 and a half. I mean, we're just so close in everything that we do. Uh, I can never remember who gave whose question first last week. I don't remember. remember. What is your question? What sport is your question? I am NFL. You're NFL. Okay. I'm college football. Uh, do you want me to give you my question first? I'll give you mine first. I you like go. It. All right. Sounds good. Go ahead. Stole this one from a thought in the Dolphins Raiders game. All right. Give me six of the eight teams Ryan Fitzpatrick has played for. <laughs> six of the eight teams Ryan Fitzpatrick has played for. Okay. He's played for the Jets. He's Correct. played for the Dolphins. Correct. He's played for the Bucks. Three. He has played for the Bills. Four. Ooh, let's see. Let's go through divisions. He hasn't played for the Ravens, Steelers, Bengals, Browns. He hasn't played for the Texans. 30 seconds. Oh, Texans. It. He did play for the Texans. Five. Colts, he didn't play for. The Jags, he didn't play for. Titans, he... Ooh, did he play for the Titans? Maybe. Broncos, no. Chargers, no. Chiefs, no. Raiders, no. Jets, 45 seconds into Dolphins, it. Patriots. Halfway there. Okay. Washington, no. Philly, no. Dallas, no. The Giants, no. Man. 30 seconds. Am I really going to get stumped on the last one? The Bucks, the Panthers, the Saints, the Falcons. Did he play for the Rams? He did. That's where he started. There's six. There you go. Wow. There did he play go. for the Titans? Was that one of he them? He did. Okay. He did. And then the last one. The last one you're not going to get because you already dismissed it incorrectly. Oh, okay. Bengals. He played for the Bengals. He did play for the Bengals. Then he started with the Rams and the Bengals. From there, he went Titans, Texans, Jets, um, Bills, Jets, Bucks, Dolphins. <laughs> oh, Fitzpatrick. Go. God bless him. All right. Very <laughs> nice. My question for you, college football playoff oriented. Um, while these games should be competitive and the best all season, that's not always the case. 
There have been 18 total college football playoff games. Only six of those games have been one score. Can you name four of those five games? I'll give you a clue that uh, two of those teams have played each other twice where it's been. Okay. Okay. Uh, One of them was obviously, you know, second and 26. Georgia, Bama is correct. Yep. Then you've got the Bama-Clemson game with Deshaun Watson. That's two. That is correct. Um, You've got Georgia-Oklahoma in overtime. That is correct. And were were any of those the ones that played twice? Uh, Bama-Clemson national title twice. Yeah, yeah, twice. That's what I figured. Um, So now the last. Um, Gosh, the games have sucked, PJ. They really honestly Um, I'm telling you. For so the Bama most Clemson's part, not, Bama Clemson's been twice. I've got the Georgia game against Bama. I've got the Georgia game against Oklahoma. So there's two. There's 50 one game seconds left. left. Plenty of time. All right. Um, gosh, what other game was close? Washington played and they got blown 40 out. Seconds. Um, gosh, this last one's going to be tough. Michigan State got blown out. Notre Dame got blown out. Oh, last year, Clemson, Ohio State. It was a classic. There you go. There it is. With 25 there it is. seconds remaining. There it the is. The other one that you were missing was the first year of the playoff. Ohio State oh, upset Oregon. Bama. Oh, Bama. With, That's with right. Cardell Jones. Zeke ran all over. That's right. That's that right. Was they, they, the Ohio State Oregon game wasn't close that no, year. No, that wasn't yeah. close. Florida State, yeah. Oregon wasn't close in the Rose yeah. Bowl. Yep, Ohio State, right. Bama. Well done, Joe. Well we, done. We, so, we've been doing this too often. Where we get the, we have both, we either both get it wrong or both get it right. That's so we exactly right. Yeah, it was twelve and a half to eleven and a half, and we continue on. All right, half game difference in the best bet. Who? What? Wait, you know, we never did specify this. Did we for the for the Waffle House in the other team's shirt? Did we want to end at week seventeen, or did we want to go through? Oh no, we can uh, go through the, the playoffs. We'll go through the playoffs. Okay, we'll go through the playoffs. But yeah. but as it gets deeper into the playoffs. I don't think we'll be able to do five. We'll have to. Uh, should, we just, should we just pick all the playoff games? Like so we did the thanks- for, remember th- for Thanksgiving, remember we did all the Thanksgiving games. What should we do? Should we, should we do all, let's establish this right now. Should we. For wild card pick- weekend and divisional round, we'll just do five picks, but we'll do a mix of match and spread and over-unders. So, okay. so wild card, you'll have six games. So you'll have plenty spreads. Or you over-unders. could go five spreads if you want, I guess. You could go game. five spreads. And yeah. then um, divisional round, they'll be uh, they'll well, be for the wild card round. We'll also have still uh, the national title game will be at our disposal for that that week as well. So right, divisional round will be four games. So you can pick all four spreads. You can pick all four over unders. You can do a mixture of either. When we get to the AFC and NFC championship games, um, how about those- we we pick spreads. We pick over, under, and we do our favorite player prop from that game. Okay, so we'll still do five for, for these. We'll still do Keep five. Going. And then Super Bowl, we'll do spread. We'll do we'll do for the Super Bowl, we'll do the spread. We'll do four five, five props. Spread, right. spread, you know, yes, yeah, spread, spread and four props. We'll, we'll do, do six for the Super Bowl. We'll do All spread right. and five props. All right. All right. All right. So I we like have it set. Five for wild card weekend. Yep. Five, five for division round. For divisional. Yep. A combination of overrunners and spreads. Yeah, whatever, however we want to get the right. five. Championship, we go spread, 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 over under, over under, player prop. 
Three player props, Super correct? Super Bowl. Wait, three player props. Or you just want to do three for championship. I like that better. Just one player prop. So three for championship weekend? No, no, no. I was I was saying we do uh we pick oh, both threads, over, both right. over unders yes. and one player prop yes, for five. Yes. And yep, then the Super that. Bowl, Super Bowl, we just do spread and five props. Love it. Done. All right. I All like right, that. That'll be good. We'll keep it going. Right. Beautiful. Joe, look, this has been uh the pod was conceived if you will in 2020 uh but if i'm being honest i'm glad we don't have to do any more episodes in 2020 correct get the hell out of here here. (laughs) absolutely thanks again to joe b for joining us always great seeing him and uh joe will do it again next week when we'll find out who is in the playoffs we're not doing this again until next year pj dad joke for you (laughs) well well done we'll find out uh the national championship game and we'll find out who is in the nfl playoffs there'll be a lot to talk about All right, next time next year on the Last Joe Podcast. Yep, that's right.